So I'll think of letting go, and then I'll see if I can weave that into how do you practice in a um, a world that's insane, <laughs> and see if between these two I can touch. Ajahn Chah, uh, a very, very famous uh, meditation master who was one of my very first teachers, so when I was first introduced to the Dhamma in 1979, um, Jack Kingler was the teacher of that class, and he was talking about these great meditation masters. And he talked about Ajahn Chah, he talked about Deepama, he talked about Ajahn Buddhadasa. And Ajahn Chah is the fourth meditation master of the tradition that I ordained in and spent 20 years in the monastery in England. And when I came back to this country, I'm not formally connected to that tradition any longer, but Chantal still very much um, his teachings and his clarity, his awakened mind is something that's still very um, much part of my practice and part of what I refer to. And one of the sayings that he offered, which I love, is if you let go a little, you'll have a little bit of peace. And if you let go a lot, you'll have a lot of peace. And if you let go completely, you'll have complete peace. So when I reflect in my own life about what that means, um, when we let go a little, you know, for me what that means is, is, is that we're willing to take up and uphold a life of integrity. So when we are committed to living with harmlessness and we're not taking other things that don't belong to us, when we have a, a commitment to live with a, a sense of responsibility as well as care in relationship to our own sexuality and in relating to others in a sexual way. When we are interested in speaking in a way that's not hurtful or divisive or slanderous or harsh. And when we are not um, taking substances which confuse and cloud the mind and make it difficult to make choices that then make it possible to keep all of the other precepts. We're picking up a container that allows us to let go of the kind of gross stuff that makes it um, life more complicated. And so that kind of letting go, you know, the letting go of the kinds of behaviors that are involved in not keeping the precepts is the kind of letting go that happens when we let go a little, all right? Now, for somebody who is addicted to substances, it doesn't feel like it's a little. It feels huge. I mean, it feels catastrophic. It feels monumental. It's not small. But in terms of the relative perspective of what can happen in the path and what can happen in the heart and what can happen to a mind that's actually opening to the truth, this is kind of like the first tier of what's needed in order to create the foundation so that there's enough strength of mind 
to be able to do this other work. So the first level of the first level of letting go, you know, to let go a little is to make a commitment not to harm and to be really clear about taking on a container of precepts of integrity and what that means. So, you know, in the way that the, the traditional Buddhist teachings are about precepts, they're not commandments, you know, and it's not as if there's any sense of, you know, you're, you're punished or there's a kind of, you know, you're a bad person, but there's a sense of a commitment to use these as training guidelines, as mirrors for the mind, and not to go into guilt, but to see the cause and effect. You know, that if you lose it and, you know, rip people, somebody to shreds verbally, you know, it feels rotten, okay? So rather than say that I'm a bad person because I didn't keep the precepts, one can see that when there is the inability to keep those precepts, the result is, is that there's remorse and there's regret and then there's mop up with the other person and all of those things, and then when you sit to meditate, your mind is all over the place, thinking about what you said, and what you should have said, and what you didn't say. And, and so all of these loops are connected to the cause and effect relationships of not having kept the precepts. It doesn't solidify you as having been a bad person, okay? So that's one of the places where um, the Buddhist teachings is categorically different from the Jayo Christian teachings that really... Um, well, at least in certain circles, they emphasize guilt and the fear of that as a way of keeping people under control. And in the Buddhist tradition, the only useful thing that guilt serves is to be vigilant to watch it arise because it has no other useful purpose. It's absolutely not useful. But what we do need to see is, is that the light of clarity that can see cause and effect is the light that allows us to move on the path. So it's like taking the guilt and sifting out the cause and effect relationship from it. Guilt is what solidifies a bad person. And the cause and effect relationship says that when I do this, there's these results. Okay? That is essential on the path. So one is totally like the only thing that it useful is useful for is, is developing vigilance for watching when it arises. And the other is absolutely essential. Because if we don't have any capacity to judge when the things that we're doing are hurting ourselves or other people, we don't have any rudder. We've got no way to navigate um, choices that we make in our own life. So when you let go a little, there's a little bit of peace. And so, you know, when you come and sit to the cushion, you're not worried about the things that you said or you didn't say. You didn't go and kick somebody in the shins. You didn't go rob a bank, you know. You didn't have sex with somebody who's six years old. You know, it's like those kinds of things are not preoccupying your mind. They're not there. When they're not there, you don't have the turbulence that would have been there if they had been there, you know. When you let go a lot, there's a lot of peace. Now, in my experience, what this has to do with, it has to do with learning how to relate to the world of emotions and the world of um, where we are clinging, okay? And this is not a small topic, you know? 
growing up is not a weekend project. You know, coming to terms with our instinctual nature and our longings and our drives and our aspirations and our wanting and our hunger for intimacy and our fear of intimacy and the whole huge thing of what it is to be a human being, to know it, to allow it, and to respond skillfully to everything that arises, for most of us is a lifetime journey. You know, it is not a weekend project. And as we navigate all of these different feelings, in that are relationships with other people. And our relationships with other people, not only do you have your own feelings of all of this stuff arising, but you also have, there's a printer behind there, so that might not, that might not be a good thing to do. <laughs> so there's a, um, not only do you have all of your own feelings, but you also have all the other feelings of the other person that you're navigating. And one of the things that happens um, with the nature of attraction is, is, is that when two people are attracted to each other, and this can be not only romantic relationships, but this can be um, things that happen in work, or it can happen in spiritual communities, it can happen in, with, a, with, a, with a teacher, it can happen with children, it can happen in all different kinds of ways. So it's not only with romantic relationships, but we have different parts of our um, emotional needs get activated when we're in relationship with another person. So most of the time we're aware of ourselves, and we don't have a framework of, of the spectrum of what we're experiencing in terms of developmentally where it all is fitting. So we just think this is what's happening, it's happening now and it's happening to me. Okay, But Developmentally, there's a whole bunch of things that need to be in place before we really separate out as an individual separate person, psychologically speaking, not using the word self in a Buddhist way, but in a psychological way. And then when that those developmental tasks are uh, successfully navigated, then there's a whole range of personal development where we're looking at each other as uh, as separate people who can connect, we can have needs that we can support with each other or we can have differences of opinion. You can say something that I don't like, but when my inner sense of well-being has come through the pre-personal level in a way that is sufficiently cohesive, if you say something that I don't like or you decide you don't want to be my friend, it doesn't land in a place where I feel fundamentally I have no value. Okay. And then there's a place of where we move past the pre-personal and the personal development into a, a level of transpersonal development. And this is the kind of relating where there's a sense of love that's not actually um, dependent upon a person. It's like there's an opening up into something which is unconditioned. There's something that is bigger than the than than having love come as in some kind of a transactional way, or love come even because it, it's coming because of a someone or something else. Love is just there, and there's no, um, there's no transaction, there's no need for it to be affirmed or valued, or it just is there, okay? And so in relationship, 
what is remarkable is is that we can move between being a pre-personal kind of having our primary needs met before we were like speaking to personal kinds of stuff where we're relating as people who are have a separate individual sense of who they are to this transpersonal sense of being open up and connected to the universe all right now what can happen in any relationship and it's particularly noteworthy the way that it happens in romantic relationships is that we think we're attracted to a person on one particular level and then all of a sudden we're moving through different levels and if we're not very sophisticated we're not tracking what's actually happening and so it can be that it feels like you're attracted to this person as an adult and then all of a sudden you drop into something that is like 3 years old you know uh and wanting the kinds of things that a 3-year-old would want you know but the other person and yourself are not actually following that you don't have an adult present now you've got a 3-year-old present and so then there's all kinds of confusion and chaos that can follow because you think you've got an adult but you don't you've got a child okay so with a 3-year-old you can't assume a 3-year-old can articulate what they want take responsibility for their needs they can't do any of those things okay and so all kinds of remarkable complexity emerges in relationship because we switch from one level to the next level we're not tracking it in ourselves we're not tracking it in the person we're in the relationship with and it just feels like it's totally out of control <laughs> <laughs> So usually what happens when it gets totally out of control is that people think I have to control, you know? I got to control me, I got to control them, and I got to make it so that it works for me. And so then it goes from, you know, people thinking, "Oh, this person is fabulous," to this person is not at all fabulous. You know, they're not at all fabulous. Look at all these terrible things that are going on with them. <laughs> <laughs> So the shift of any kind of relationship is when when the stuff comes out is to recognize well actually nothing has gone wrong this is actually natural progression in all relationship and that what is needed is to be willing to work with what's there in a way where um there's just a little bit more sophistication and skill you know and for oneself as well you know so when if one catches oneself and is a child then you relate to yourself in that kind of a way rather than demand that 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 not be present okay so the range of emotions that come up around all of this is really quite vast in terms of the longing and the wanting and the anger and the fury and the rage and the distancing and the i mean the range is really quite remarkable and so the ability to let go a lot is to be with what is happening responding to what's happening and to be not asking it to be otherwise that is a lot of letting go okay now in our world because we are in a transactional consumer driven world we tend to locate who we are by the things that we have okay um and we tend to locate our own value by how much we have so if we have a nice car we're a good person if we don't have a nice car we're not a good person if we have a fancy house we're a good person if we don't have a fancy house we're not a good person 
And this is capitalistic, consumer-driven values that we internalize, that somehow our self is connected to the stuff that we have. Our power, our position, our possessions, we have internalized as a measure of our self-worth. And it's a little crazy-making because you cannot buy self-worth. So even if you were a multi-billionaire and you could buy anything in the whole world you wanted, you cannot buy self-worth. So the values that we have internalized about where our self-worth come actually don't work. It doesn't work like that. But there's something in us that has bought into that valuing system even though it doesn't work. Okay? So we have a kind of thing that it doesn't add up where we're trying to get a sense of value about who we are based on the stuff that we have. And actually, when we look, we still feel anxious and we feel insecure and we don't know who we are and we think we should know who we are, which makes us more anxious and more insecure because we've got the stuff that we're supposed to have in order to feel a certain way. So again, what is needed is to be clear about what's happening and responsive to what is arising rather than ask it to be otherwise. Now, our world is in a crunch time where there's more pressure economically on more people. And the standard of living that has been an assumed standard that many people have lived with is no longer assumed. And so people are needing to downsize and scale and give away things and all the rest of that. And it's really quite a process to see how much of one's self-valuing is related to the stuff that one has. And to find a place of ease and well-being independent of things. Okay? So, you know, we are called human beings. We are not called human havings or human doings. But the way we relate to ourselves and to each other is if we were human havings and human doings. So we don't understand how it is just to be present with what is going on and how to find joy and value and a sense of worth in that. Okay, so you let go a little, you have a little bit of peace. You let go a lot, you have a lot of peace. You let go completely, you have complete peace. Even if we are skillful and keep the precepts, and even if we do all of the work to developmentally become intact and to be able to be tracking where we're at, to be able to watch these different kinds of places where we navigate and respond appropriately, we still are identified with ourselves as being somehow an entity that exists separate from everyone else. And because of that, we will suffer. So even if our life is tremendously skillful, even if we're surrounded by loving friends, even if we have all of our needs met, even if our relationships are deeply satisfying, as long as there's any kind of identification with this here as being something separate and permanent, it's like being up a creek without a paddle. Because it's not the truth. It's the way we have identified 
but it is not actually in accordance with reality. When we look carefully, we can't see anything that doesn't change, that I can name, I can label, I can locate. It's all in flux and movement and shift and change. And so on the one hand, we separate ourselves out because we have identified with a sense of self. And then on the other hand, that very same process is the thing which is the source of an enormous amount of alienation, isolation, loneliness, and a lot of pain. That we don't want to feel that way, but the way that we think that we can stop feeling that way is by merging with another person in an intimate way. But the problem is not about merging with another. The problem is about the way in which we have solidified our sense of self as being separate. So unless we are able to look at that, bring light to that, see that, allow that to open up and release into reality, which is to be able to know who we are in a larger flow, then no matter how skillful we are, no matter how, how, in, how much integrity we have, no matter how much generosity we have, no matter how many of our needs are met, we're still going to have to deal with the fact that we feel ourselves as a separate thing in this whole big huge flow and that by its nature is suffering. So to let go completely is to let go of any kind of identification with being an independent, separate sense of self. And that is no joke. You know, and that's really like kind of like the culmination of what meditation practice leads to, is to be able to attend to all of these different kinds of letting go in a way that allows flow and responsiveness and understanding and clarity and wholesomeness without any suffering. Mm. So, as we're navigating these different kinds of letting go in our world, we're doing that in a world which is reasonably to fairly out of control and insane almost all of the time. With people who have a value system that's just opposite, you know. You know, the advertising say that you're fundamentally inadequate unless you buy the thing that they're selling. And that there is no sense of, of ease and well-being unless you push, unless you get, unless you get rid of all these other things. Okay? So the message that we get in the world that we're living in is not about peace and letting go. It's about acquisition. It's about getting. It's about getting rid of. It has nothing to do with your own innate sense. It's about engaging in the material world in a particular way. And then on top of that, the value system that we're living with, there's like a million things to process, you know, emails and cell phones and decisions. And, and so we're processing huge amounts of information at the time where the values that we're constantly being bombarded with take us away from our own deep understanding about what needs to be said and done and felt and lived through. And it feels like, you know, for most people, like it's overwhelming. So what is needed is to come into the present moment, to feel our body, 
to refer back to things which are simple and no matter what's going on to constantly ask yourself what's happening right now and how am I relating to it okay so if you're texting and you're emailing and you're talking to your sister and you feel dispersed you can know that you feel dispersed and then you can stop one or two of those things and bring your attention back into your body and just feel yourself grounded and then pick up one of those things that you can do and then focus on it until it's done mm -hmm. and then move to the next one yeah and then to the next one but the information that we get and the kind of pressure that we have is, is that we feel that unless we're doing four things at the same time we're not going to get anything done but the result of doing four things at the same time is, is that we don't do any of them very well <laughs> and that we feel like a nutcase by the end of a few hours of doing stuff like that yeah you know we just feel like a squirrel in a cage you know just running and i don't even know where we're running to you know it's just like it's just crazy i just struggle so much with the idea of time it's like no matter how who who you are you know you just you can't change the amount of hours in the day you can't change the fact that you need to sleep eventually you know and I definitely bit off a little bit more than I can choose. So part of that is just that, is, you know, figuring out how much we can actually manage and being attentive to actually having some balance in our life, you know, mm -hmm. so that we need to sleep, we need to eat, we need to be outside, we need to get some exercise, you need to have some fun, mm -hmm. you know. You need to. It's not like it's a nice thing. It's like you need to. Yeah. Right? So if you take on too much responsibilities, then it squeezes out all these things which are actually essential but not urgent. Yeah. You know, having fun is not urgent, but it's essential. Yeah. So we have to learn how to figure out what our capacities are and to figure out how much we can take on at any particular point. And that's part of self-regulating that's part of, of being more aware yeah what's happening and then when we blow it when we take on too much we pay the consequences we can see that and we can learn from that so you don't need to give yourself a hard time mm -hmm. but you could just say you know when i do that then i feel like a nutcase mm -hmm. and i don't want to feel like a nutcase so i'm not going to do that next time yeah yeah but it's like you know you're in a you're up against a you know you're it's totally going against the stream because everything is saying take on too much mm -hmm. you know and i heard in the last i don't know couple months that the amount of information that we process in one day in one day is more than people used to process in an entire lifetime okay so it's like, you know, our world right now is really um, amped up in a particular way that makes, requires meeting it with a, with a kind of simplicity. The, the complexity needs to be met with a kind of simplicity to ground it and to respond to it in a way which is skillful and compassionate. And for me, it keeps coming back to my body, to body awareness, to being grounded, to feeling what I'm feeling in my body in the present moment. And is it tight? Is it open? Am I sleepy? Am I spaced out? What do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And as I listen to my body, and I can come up with responses that are more skillful.
then when I have a map about how it's supposed to be, how I'm supposed to be, and, and then I live like that. But I mean, it's no joke. I mean, it's not an easy thing. And, and so part of the reason why community is so incredibly important is so that people can mirror, support, look to each other. Hey, you know, it's like, no, you're not retarded, you know. You're actually dealing with more than is possible to deal with. And, 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 and when you deal with more than's possible to deal with, the natural experience of that is it feels stressful, it feels overwhelming. So in the larger context of things, it's like all of this stuff, you know, settles and it makes sense, it fits into a place, but it, it obviously, it's, none of it is easy to wrap one's mind around and to get a handle on and to become um, effective with, because this is our life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and our lives with each other, our lives in the world, and, and it, it, is, it takes some skillfulness. So community is tremendously supportive for creating contacts for people who, who, who get it that you know it, that that's a good way of living to live where you're wanting to move in that direction, and you know what the billboards are saying is like, no, you know it does not bring a sense of happiness. It doesn't. You know, I have never seen a billboard that says let go. <laughs> Never have, you know? Mm -hmm. And yet, we need to learn how to let go. And, you know, sometimes relationships need commitment to stay with them, and sometimes relationships need skillfulness to recognize that they're not soluble or workable and that we need to let go. And it's not easy, because there's all these different places that... That's the recognizing of... Too, that's difficult for me. Yeah. yeah. But I guess that takes personal knowledge of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is stop and we can have a cup of tea and then come